Good morning and welcome to the primary view from Reorg in which we offer incisive interviews and insight on issues affecting and impacting distressed debt, leverage finance, direct lending, high yield, municipals, covenants, private credit, private equity, middle market, and private debt. And today it's our great pleasure to bring you Reorg's municipals reporter, Hua Noyan, who is speaking to Vikram Rai, head of City's Municipal Strategy Group, about the state of high yield munis in 2022 and predictions heading into 2023. Municipal bond outflows and several rounds of interest rate hikes this year have negatively impacted high-yield offerings. We've seen many of these high-yield deals going day-to-day, especially in the last six months, most of which are project-based and unrated or low-rated. On today's inaugural podcast about the municipal bond market, we're going to discuss what has transpired in the primary municipal market so far this year and what we can expect to see in the home stretch of 2022 heading into 2023. I am Huang Nguyen, a municipal bond reporter at Reorg Research, and I have Vikram Rai in the room with me this afternoon. Welcome, Vikram. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Vikram is the head of City's Municipal Strategy Group. He covers short-duration strategy and formerly worked in City's U.S. rates trading. Prior to joining City in 2007, Vikram worked for the private equity division of the hedge fund Oatland LLP. Um, so to get us started, could you please share with us how high-yield municipal bonds have performed this year relative to last year as well as compared to other asset classes? Sure. So. You know, it's a bit of a red herring, but performance in the municipal market has very little to do with municipals because it's all driven by macro factors. So, I mean, we all know what's happening in the rates market. The Fed is hiking. Inflation is a big worry. So because of that, rates have sold off almost 300 basis points in the start of the year. And so the performance numbers that we are seeing in the municipal market, they're negative, yes. But when you actually start comparing them to other asset classes, they are not that bad. So just to give you a sense, so if you look at the broader municipal market, and let's take a broad base index such as the S&P index. So year to date, returns are negative 12, let's say. Okay, And high yield uh, specifically is about negative 17. Now, negative 17 seems like a very, very, it seems like a horrible print. And when you actually compare it to the corporate market, uh, high yield corporates, the returns year to date are about negative 15. So not that much worse. But something to keep in mind about the municipal high yield market is that, see, these are long duration products. So performance has been impacted because of the longer duration of this paper. So we have sold off. And it's not a reflection of any kind of a deterioration in credit quality. In fact, credit quality is quite solid. And a lot of these smaller issuers, uh, they are sitting on piles of cash that they can use in a pinch. And this is true for the larger issuers, obviously. So yes, the numbers seem appalling. And uh, it could continue that way. So at the the, at the end of first half, I had very famously proclaimed that, oh, the second half will be better. And I have lost that mm-hmm. confidence because the Fed is on a tear and uh, they are serious about getting inflation in check. Mm-hmm. And to do that, they 
the fact that they may continue hiking us well into a recession worries the market right so and so it is the fed which is in focus it is the inflation which is in focus and that is causing this bear steepening of the treasury curve and we are just dancing to the tune of the treasury market mm-hmm. right so yes you know as you correctly mentioned we are in the, in the, in the throes of an outflow cycle and the funds are witnessing outflows because rates are selling off so you know how retail investors behave that they will sell into a sell off and buy into a rally because when they see a negative number on their monthly report their first instinct is to go and sell when they should be doing the opposite right so if outflows continue and they very well may then we can expect the numbers to deteriorate mm-hmm. so i am not optimistic about performance numbers for q4 they could remain negative they could go down some more and remember we haven't really had that much supply so supply is down almost 20% year over year and despite the fact the supply is down performance hasn't been good so once supply picks up when that's a tailwind which will go away yeah mhm yeah absolutely so you you just mentioned about um the yield curve um and i was just wondering if you could talk more about how the muni treasury ratios have fluctuated since the beginning of this year and you know what what do those fluctuations tell us about the market okay now fair question so see the muni treasury ratio is just it's just a met- it's an, an imperfect metric that said it's one of the best metrics that we have to assess relative value So the muni treasury ratio think about it what does it mean so let me give you a very simple example mm-hmm. so most of the muni market is tax exempt right about 80% of the market is tax exempt so why would an investor buy a, a muni bond which is yielding less than the treasury bond because the expectation is that on a tax adjusted basis he or she will come out ahead so supposing you have a treasury bond yielding 1% right and, and i'm just giving a hypothetical example right a treasury bond is yielding 1% and then you have an equivalent maturity muni bond equivalent rating too because muni is a generally very high grade yielding 60 basis points right so when would an investor choose the muni bond over the treasury bond despite the fact that yielding yes that will occur if the investors tax bracket is higher than 40 right so when you have a muni treasury ratio of say 75% the 10 year ratio currently is at 80% right so in theory i should the muni investor should who is in a higher tax bracket than 20 and all of us are right and my tax bracket is egregiously high <laughs> so in theory the muni investor should be willing to accept the muni bond versus the treasury bond because 20% I mean my tax bracket so on a tax adjusted basis I'll come out ahead right but there are other factors in play because munis are not as liquid munis are not treasuries treasury is the quintessential safe asset right munis are very safe too mm-hmm. but there is an illiquidity discount there is a disclosure discount there's a fragmentation discount there's a negative convexity discount because munis are callable so all those factors are in play now your original question that what do the fluctuations in the muni treasury ratios tell us frankly this year 
we have not seen rampant fluctuations in muni treasury ratios because again we understand that this is not about munis so during the pandemic the treasury ratios just shot through the roof so the higher the treasury ratio the cheaper the muni right that's what it indicates right so supposing the treasury ratio is the muni treasury ratio is 200% that means the muni bond yield is twice that of treasury and during the pandemic there were worries about credit stress faced by state and local governments muni treasury ratios went to 400% right right now they're back down to normal levels that this happened in 2020 itself and the ratios are anything from 70 to 90% across the curve it's an upward sloping ratio curve so like i said earlier that munis are marching to the tune of treasuries so treasury rates go up muni rates might lag a bit but they'll ultimately follow treasuries so ratios have not fluctuated so much and the fact they haven't fluctuated again tells you that this is a rate story it's a macro story it's not a muni story mm. so what market conditions are necessary for muni bonds to be a bargain compared to to the treasuries and will those conditions be a good thing so see the so we're in the throes of an outflow cycle right so an outflow cycle typically causes the muni market to cheapen right because that means that there is a demand gap and an outflow cycle means that so you have funds are not buying in fact they're selling now mutual funds make up for a very large portion of the muni buyer base so I mean, that's it's a good question because you know is it a good thing so see during the pandemic we had an outflow cycle but that is a credit story that is not a good thing because it shows that there was there's there are worries about credit stress in the muni market so that's not a good thing now right now we have an outflow cycle but we have an outflow cycle because investors don't want to be holding long duration paper so they're selling the muni bond and, and putting the money in cash or equities whatever so it is possible that if the outflow cycle exacerbates and that will happen if rates continue to sell off then muni bonds are cheaper because there's a supply demand imbalance there's supply but there's not enough demand mm -hmm. now in that instance you know i think investors would find bargains in the market because the credit quality is same the market conditions are the same it's just that the bonds are cheaper because of the negative technical right? so that's that's it so i I would say that if muni is cheapened dramatically, and that could happen for a whole host of reasons, but I don't see credit as a risk. Yes, there are worries that state and local governments, you know, they'll have to contend with a recession, but munis are actually one of the most defensive products. Mm -hmm. So they do well in a recession. It's not like corporates. Could you kind of unpack that a little bit for me as well as the listeners? Okay. Like why are munis so um, kind of like shielded against, you know, a looming recession? Okay, now fair question. So think about what what is the source of revenues for municipal issuers. It's income taxes, property taxes, tolls, right? So again, I live in Hoboken, New Jersey, right? <laughs> During the pandemic, I was worried about my job. But did the city said, don't worry, Vikram, you know, take it easy in your property taxes, we can wait. No, the property taxes were due on the first of the quarter. So what I'm trying to say is that the revenue is sticky. Recession may come and go, but the revenues, are the, the tax collections are due. Hmm. The tax payment is due rather, not tax collections. 
so it's the same for you know, income taxes so there is a lag so meaning that yes you know we may be well into a recession or out of it before we see any blip in tax collection because tax collection is sticky it takes time before you know you see a drop in tax collections and by then the recession may be done so it's a defensive product it's just so it goes back to the sources of revenue right corporate bonds the the ability to pay is is dependent on corporate profitability in this instance, the ability to pay is dependent on the ability to raise taxes right, or raise tolls. And that, many, many issuers, I mean, toll roads, for instance, right, the bridge and tunnel authorities, they have unlimited rate setting authority. Right. If they had to go and raise the toll on Lincoln Tunnel from 18 to 21, would I stop driving to Manhattan? No. <laughs> Same thing, that if, if my city decided, okay, they're going to raise my property taxes, Substantially, would I get up and move? No, because I have a house there. My kids go to school there. This is where I, where I commute to work from. So, there's a stickiness to the revenue base, which is what makes Muni Credit so resilient. I see. So you just mentioned earlier um, about the tax exempt status of you know most municipal bonds. Yet I've seen you know the volume of taxable issuance increase you know o- over the past two years or so. Um, so I'm just curious to know, you know, who are the people buying taxable munis? And if so, how have these taxable bonds uh, performed this year? Okay, so let me unpack the question because there are multiple facets to it. So firstly, taxable issuance is down this year again. Right? I think you're referring oh. to the past two years. Mm-hmm. So the taxable issuance gone, had gone up tremendously in 2019, 2020, 2021. And what was happening was that there were refinancings happening. So see, for an issuer to issue tax-exempt debt, they have to meet certain requirements, right? So you have to show that the use of proceeds meets the requirements which are needed. I mean, that, that, that there are some rules that apply. Right? Mm-hmm. What are you using the debt for? It has to be, it has to work towards the betterment of the society. Now, so what I'm saying is that issuers have to jump through some hoops before they can issue, before they can access the tax exempt market, right? Certain requirements have to be met. Now, taxable issuance is easier. Right? You don't have to meet those requirements, and if you have somebody who's willing to buy your bonds, you can issue taxable debt. So what, there was a period of time when issuers just believed that, you know, it would be easier to refinance their tax exempt debt with taxable debt. So the spike that we witnessed in taxable issuance was coming due to refinancings. And muni bonds are very unusual in the sense that 60% of the market is callable and it's high coupon debt, meaning that even though yields are very low, yields could be 60 basis points, muni issuers still like to issue 5% coupon debt. So for all practical purposes, you know, when the refinancing happens, they're looking at the 5% coupon. So that was what was happening, that issues are refinancing their existing uni debt, tax-exempt debt, but taxable debt, and that's why we saw a surge in taxable issuance. Mm. Right? So what has triggered these refinancings then? So what the trigger? What triggered the re- refinancing is the arbitrage opportunity. Right? That was just, it was at times it made sense. They were worried about, so, so see, Again, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's another wrinkle in the muni market that there are two types of refinancings, and they're called refundings in the market. 
it's called there's one a current refunding and then there's an advanced refunding right advanced refunding means that you can go advanced refunding means that you can go and refinance a bond where the call date is more than three months away right but because of a change in rules tax exempt you're not allowed to do it in tax exempt market because it, because congress believe that this is arbitrage right so you can still go and do a refinancing in the tax exempt space but the call date has to be inside of three months now what was happening two years ago or last year was that you have a bond which has a call date two years away right now I think what the issues were thinking, and if you look back, they did the right thing, that they were worried about rising rates. So their thought was that should I go and issue in the taxable market, refinance in the taxable market, even though the taxable rate is higher than the prevailing tax exempt rate, but this taxable rate will still be way less than where rates might end up. And that calculation turned out to be exactly right. right? They, were, they were worried about a rate rise. So that's what drove the refinancing. They went and refinanced their tax exempt paper with call dates that were years in the future with taxable debt because they were worried about higher rates. And that economics has played out very well for the issuer. Mm. Okay. So now that the rates are genuinely higher, those rate worries have gone away to some extent. So that same refinancing is not happening. See, two years ago, during the pandemic, the you know you had the treasury at sub 1%. So everybody knew that that kind of a funding rate is unsustainable and rates will be higher two years down the line and this is exactly what happened. Mm. Right? So it was just a rate call which drove these, refund which drove these refundings. Mm -hmm. yeah. I see. So we're now about a month into the last quarter of 2022. Um, where do you see the, the primary market heading? Mm -hmm by the end of this year coming into early 2023? Well, so, like I said, issuance is down 20%. And issuance is down 20% because there has not been enough taxable issuance. But tax-exempt issuance has been fairly stable. And that's because, see, in the tax-exempt space, issuers, I mean, so there are two types of debt. There's new money and there's refinancing. or We call it refunding. So new money means something needs to be financed, a project needs to be funded. Or, a, or there's a there's a budgetary gap that has to be filled. So, I mean, yes, during a higher rate environment or when there's volatility in the market, the issuers might shy away from the market for a bit, meaning that they might take a step back and wait it out for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. But ultimately, they will come back, and they come to the market because they have to. So, they typically they will avoid Fed weeks because whenever the FOMC is in session, that market is very volatile and it, it, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like let's not go out in the rain. Or they will avoid weeks which have holidays because the holiday shortened week investors are away so they were worried about getting worse rates because not everybody is, is engaged. But in typical weeks, which are not FOMC weeks, which are not holiday shortened weeks, the supply has been very stable and healthy. So going forward if you think about it how many holiday weeks do we have we have three remaining one for veterans day one for thanksgiving one for christmas then we have two fed weeks right november and december so this is the 43rd week right so we have another nine weeks remaining five weeks go away because of two for the fed three for holidays 
so we have only four weeks remaining which are normal supply weeks so that's why I'm a little worried about my supply estimate that we could underwhelm it so when we started the year we were expecting almost 500 billion in supply now that expectation much lower let's say 420 billion which is much less than last year like I said 20% less is that surprising to you at all it's not surprising to me when I, when I consider the current environment that taxable issuance just went away tax exempt issuance is pretty much under track right? so that's what the primary market will look like it's just that we don't have time to issue and that's why we will undervalue our expectation great awesome um, that's all of the questions that I have for you today is there anything else you'd like to share with us no I, I think that's pretty much it I think you covered it very well I mean like I said it's not about munis right? it's, it's, it's about it's, it's about macro factors so there's a there's a cut this out. there's a joke right that once a, a patient went to a doctor and said that uh, you know I, I doctor I'm very worried about myself you know I, I I keep losing my temper so the doctor says okay yeah, tell me a problem he says I just told you a problem my problem right I keep losing my temper mm -hmm. so the doctor wasn't listening so even now I have clients who reach out to me and say you know what's wrong with the muni market and I want to tell them you're not listening right it's not munis macro well thank you so much Vikram once again for you know sharing with us a lot of your incredible insights about the Muni market um, we really really appreciate it my, my pleasure